We've heard, we've talked a lot about different professions that have really faced a lot in the last couple of years, especially healthcare professionals, teachers, for example. But I think everybody can can end up feeling burnt out at work. It depends on the environment. It depends on how much pressure you put on yourself, how much your employer puts pressure on you. But burnout, we've been hearing about it for decades. How do we fix it, especially if it seems to have ramped up? We want to dive into that this morning with Claudine Mangan, who is a professor uh, dealing with organizations. Uh, she's a professor at Concordia University, and she's joining us here this morning on 630 Ched Mornings. Thank you so much, Professor, for joining us. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. And do you have good, solid work satisfaction? Are you burned out at work? <laughs> or are you good? I am for now, I'm good, but that's also because it's summer in academia and summers are usually going at a slower pace. So I can take time off for vacation, which I have done and which I recommend for everybody if you can. So do take your vacation time. Yeah, I do think that that's that's probably a very important uh, piece of trying to mitigate burnout at work, Claudine. But, you know, probably a a lot of our listeners are are waking up and they're getting ready for the day. They're getting set to Mm -hmm. head into the office right now. So let's just define what burnout is at work. It's not just the drudgery of getting up and thinking, oh, man, I just don't feel like doing this today. What what is burnout actually defined as? So burnout is is generally thought of as not something black and white. It's more something that is on scale. So it can range from sort of lighter symptoms where you're really dreading going to work and you're tired and, and you don't really get something out of your work other than your paycheck to something really much more severe. It can actually end you in, in, in a sort of clinical depression. So it's, it's really a whole range of symptoms what and a whole range it? of... Well, that's also something that that researchers are still starting, are still trying to understand. So, so I think it's a mixture of individual features and also, uh, much more importantly, organizational features. And we don't talk a lot about the latter. Um, so, what we oftentimes see is that there's sort of an attempt to to make it about the individual. Like you hear a lot of talk about self care, which implies that it's really on you to fix yourself. And, you know, I think it's very natural to be feeling unwell in a system that is broken. It would be kind of really bizarre if you felt well in a system that's, that, that is, like I said, broken. So if you have a system where you're expected to work nonstop, to always do better, to always reach higher for the stars, that this is going to leave you feel broken, that I think is, is a normal reaction from the human body. You know, I think so many people, when when they're asked how they are, they say, "Oh, I'm so busy. I've got so much going on." Mm-hmm. We kind of we kind of mm-hmm. say that as if it's this badge of honor. You know, the busier mm-hmm. you are, the the more accomplished you are, the more mm-hmm. successful you are. Yes. But it it seems like it's having the opposite effect on us. I mean, that that yes. busyness and scheduling ourselves wall to wall is just wearing mm-hmm. us out. Is that a new phenomenon, Claudine, or am I just imagining that that's something that is more more of a recent trend? Well, that's that's a good question. Uh, well, this is a new phenomenon. I think what we're seeing is that it's becoming normal to look busy because maybe it also makes you feel that 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 you matter. So so you you want to feel busy, and and it's also difficult oftentimes to say no to the many requests that come our way. 
And especially in the pandemic, we've seen that, that we're pulled in so many different directions. So in that sense, it is a new thing in the sense that we've not had the pandemic and we still have it uh, going on that is pulling us in all these new directions. So I think that is an added complexity. But I think it's something like, you know, like you talked about the thunderstorm, it's something that has been building up over decades. Um, and that is, is leading us to this point where, where people are at the point where they can no longer uh, function the way the way they want to and, and the way they, they wish they could. You have some strategies for, for dealing with this kind of thing, and you talked about self-care, etc. Uh, you, you talk about setting boundaries. It's really mm -hmm. important to protect yourself, mm -hmm. is it not? Mm -hmm. Yes, I think it is very important, and it goes back to the to the point uh, that was made earlier about being busy all the time. So I think that's sort of like the reverse side of being busy is that you're actually not sending boundaries, and you're not asking yourself, well, where is it really enough for me, and where do I need to respect my own needs in order that I can actually function as an employee, but also beyond that, because we're not just employees, we're also parents, partners, friends, whatever it is that we do in our lives. And and so we need to take into account sort of this multitude of roles that we play and, and make sure that, that we can we can play them in the way that we want to. And so it's important we set boundaries and we need to think about, well, what is it that I, I want to get out of my daily lives? What is how do I want to experience my 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 Thursday, you know? And my, and my Friday. And so setting boundaries is something we need to do. We need to learn to do it because oftentimes we haven't learned it in the past. So we need to take baby steps. And baby steps are things like, well, try perhaps to stick to your contractual working hours. Um, we oftentimes expect to do overwork. It's something that is oftentimes glorified, but it tends to fire back in the sense that, well, we're, we end up being exhausted from all this overwork and we can go down a slippery slope of burnout and really, really bad burnout. So I think it's, it's trying to do the baby steps where you, where you respect the boundaries that are contractual. Um, and this might not always be easy because you're used to doing overwork. So you need to first become aware of this issue and you need to ask yourself how much does overwork contribute and, and how much flexibility do I have? You know, if you're a contract worker and you're trying to make, uh, to make a living, you, you only have so much choice given the system that we're in, which is why I also explain how this is not just an individual problem. In fact, I, I don't really like to think about it as an individual problem. It's a more systemic problem where the ways in which our economies are set up oftentimes, oftentimes ask a lot of, of individuals. But I think, Claudine, you make some interesting points in the article that you wrote, um, which is at theconversation.com if you want to check it out, Ched Nation, mm -hmm. you know, where you talk about, as you're, as you're describing right now, contractual obligations that you might have with work. That might be a little bit less flexible than we'd like it to be. But I think mm. boundaries, which you describe, can be something that I wouldn't necessarily have classified as falling into the category of boundaries. And that's mm. creating healthy habits like mm -hmm. prioritizing mm -hmm. sleep and your physical mm -hmm. well-being mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, not bringing the stress from work home with you. Those are mm -hmm. all t different types of boundaries that maybe you can implement to just help mm -hmm. ease some of the stress, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, and so that I would think is, is sometimes more difficult for us. So the contractual boundaries are sort of the easy boundaries right. because we have it there black on white. And so if we're moving beyond the sort of the easy boundaries, we have the more difficult boundaries where it's really up to us to say no. To say no for any requests on our time where we need to set our priorities and we also need to be okay with the other person not liking our no. And that's something that can be that can be hard for us to to first of all acknowledge that the other person might not like it and just be okay with it because we need to be okay in the first place. 
in order for us to be there for others. I always think about you, you know, when you're in an airplane and you, you're the one who first needs to put on the oxygen mask before you even put it on your child. So it's kind of like that. If you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of others. So so that's what, why it's important that you set these boundaries in, in whatever they are for you, you know, whatever kind of sleep you need, whatever kind of breaks you need, whatever kind of shorter, longer breaks you need, what, that, what, that, what kind of work you want to do and, and, and you need to do. So, and, and that's the heart of it here when you're dealing with those long contractual boundaries. There's another issue that seems to leap to mind to me. You say in your article, you know, for example, work won't love you back, not mm. like family and not like close friends, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this sounds like this could this could get quite adversarial, or at least there's the potential mm -hmm. for it to be adversarial between an employee and an employer going, I'm taking mm -hmm. care of myself, that's my priority, I'll get to the work I have to do mm -hmm. contractually. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's mm -hmm. not about being unreasonable, it's about being reasonable, I would think. Yes. On both sides. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, of course. And so what's also interesting here when you're looking at this from the perspective of the employer is if they're having employees that are burned out, it's actually not in their interest. I mean, uh, burned out employees, this results in, in lower productivity. It actually also results in increased turnover, which is very uh, expensive for organizations to deal with. So organizations need to make sure they really take care of their employees and not just by providing, you know, yoga lessons and, and self-care um, sort of advice. Um, they need to make sure the processes that they that they have for their employees to do their work, that these processes are actually enabling the employees to be the best they can be. Um, and so this, this requires that they actually know how their employees react to process. So on the side of, of employers, it asks them that they that they talk to the employees, that they are aware of the hurdles, that they are aware of, of where employees struggle. And so oftentimes, I think there is sort of like a, um, a lack of communication going on between how employees experience their work and, and what employers want. So if we're coming at this from, as you point out, a, a perspective that is not adversarial, it requires that people talk to each other mm -hmm. and, and oftentimes they don't and so that creates then these problems yeah i think to just sort of understand and empathize with what someone else is going through and there's a text right now uh from one of our listeners as we're having this discussion that really kind of points to people not having a lot of empathy for one another mm -hmm. uh claudine mm -hmm. neil texts in and he says burnout and he says burnout in air quotes is yet another excuse to collect disability. Who doesn't get burned out trying to maintain work-life balance? That's life. It's survival of the fittest. What do you say that to that? Well, survival of the fittest. I mean, that's sort of like, so what about people who aren't the fittest? I think they also have a, a right to, you know, live a life that's, that has dignity. And, and so um, I think you don't necessarily need to be the fittest in order to be able to do good work. And if you have the right conditions to work, well, many of us can be very fit, and at the same time, many of us can be very unfit if we're in a setting that is, uh, that is, to use the terms that were used earlier, adversarial. So I, I think we need to acknowledge how important is the environment is in which we, uh, in which we do our work in order to be fit. Now, it's not just on us who are molding ourselves to the environment. Um, so, so I would, I would, um, I would say that, and it's important that we consider where we are, our broad environment. Well said, Claudine. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.